Welcome to Trinity University's Learning Together podcast series. I'm Nathan Cohn, class of 1995, your host. I work at the public radio station in San Antonio, where we sometimes characterize what NPR does as the nation's biggest continuing education course. That's why I'm excited to be introducing this series here. The series features faculty, alumni, and other distinguished guests who have established themselves as experts in their fields. As part of the university's lifelong learning initiative designed especially for alumni, this podcast series will include discussions and presentations on a variety of subjects designed to replicate just a little bit of what it's like for the first years at Trinity. Listening today is kind of like auditing a really interesting class at Trinity, so it's a way to relive some of your Trinity experience and learn more about what's happening on campus these days. Today, you're going to be part of the Trinity First Year Experience course called Inventing Mexico, taught by communication professor Rob Huesca and modern languages and literatures professor Rosana Blanco Cano. Doctors Huesca and Blanco Cano will share their experiences in teaching this course from a team teaching format to explore complex issues from Trinity's unique interdisciplinary approach. Thanks for joining us today in our discussion of Inventing Mexico, a seminar that is taught in Trinity's first year experience. I'm Robert Huesca, Professor of Communication. And I am Rosana Blanco Cano, Professor of Modern Languages and Literatures. And we've been teaching Inventing Mexico for two years. We're entering our third year this year, 2017. Rosana, you proposed the course about three or four years ago when Trinity developed its new curriculum. The title, Inventing Mexico, I know what I thought when I heard it, but what was your thinking when you proposed the course? Well, uh, it was actually a collaborative uh, initiative, but uh, the idea of Inventing Mexico came with the intention of exposing our students to a more complex definition of what Mexico is. We're neighbors with this country. We have a lot of uh, uh, close relationships, personal, uh, commercial, etc., but in some ways, we really don't know much about the country. Sometimes I ask my students, would you go to Mexico to study abroad? And they tell me, no, it's too close. And I know Mexico already. So for us uh, as professors, it was very important to, to really break with that stereotypical notion and uh, uh, really, really study the very rich history and complex uh, identity, precisely, of what Mexico is, considering, as, as we've been discussing uh, through the course, that this notion of inventing Mexico is a transdisciplinary and also a transnational uh, dynamic. So as a director of the MAS program, the Mexico, the Americas and Spain program, it is also very important for me to incorporate all this discussion into the curriculum at Trinity. And I know one of the ideas I had when I heard about the course was how challenging this would be for incoming students. They come in, like you say, they have an idea. I know what Mexico is. And right off the bat, we tell them, Actually, the idea of Mexico is something that is imagined, and that's really what the course does is kind of goes through all the different ways that you can imagine what it is to be Mexican. And in fact, students leave the course talking about lo mexicano. What is it to be Mexican or mexicanidad? So that's kind of fun, too. We only have a little bit of time today to talk about the course the course is 15 weeks long. It's organized chronologically. We start with the pre-Columbian Mesoamerica and move right up to contemporary Mexico. Um, we're only going to talk about a few of the themes in the course to our listeners today. Why do you think it's important to begin with pre-Columbian history? For us, it's crucial to understand that uh, uh, Mexican is, as you were mentioning, right? Lo Mexicano, what we define as Mexican 
is directly connected to the pre-colonial cultures. If you examine any any uh, historic moment in, in in Mexican history, you will see that uh, present in some way: uh, uh, habits, beliefs, uh, ways of seeing the world, even the food we eat. There are so many ways for us to connect ourselves with that pre-colonial identity, and we will visit that uh, uh, pre-colonial uh, notion of what Mexico was throughout the semester. So we have to start with that. There are, of course, important groups that uh, people know, Aztecs, Mayans, etc., but we also bring other names into the table in order to propose a more complex definition of what pre-colonial cultures were as well. And one of the great things about starting with the pre-Columbian, we get to draw on a lot of the resources here in San Antonio and in our own faculty. Our archaeologist, Jennifer Matthews, comes in and talks about a lot of the um, Aztec sites and, and the Maya sites that are found throughout Mexico and talks about their importance in contemporary Mexico. So beginning there also in the class, students are able to see this as a thread of continuity that goes through all the different weeks of the semester. And I know the next uh, period that we wanted to talk and share a little bit about was post-revolutionary period and the emphasis that we give to post-revolutionary Mexico. We, right, as professors know, the Mexican Revolution really presented a redefinition in terms of politics, economy, but also identity. It was the moment in which Mexico decided to recover its pre-colonial roots. And you will see that uh, represented in uh, literature, music, even cinema, which is so interesting for us to see that modernity in the 30s uh, was also connected to this notion of pre-colonial identity. And you, you mentioned the film. That's another one of the themes that we look at is the golden age of Mexican cinema. And it's true. When we look at that period, it comes about midway through the semester and everything really starts to gel in that golden age of cinema in Mexico because Cine Mexicano, Cine de Oro, that's about in the 1930s and 40s when Mexico was this dominant force in world cinema. Their movies were popular throughout Latin America. They popularized song. They popularized composers and artists. And it all comes together. You start to see the kind of artwork that was done by Diego Rivera, and it's represented in the films. They're reclaiming a lot of indigenous culture and iconography in the films. And there's also a lot of the, uh, like you said, modern Mexico. So it's, it's bringing together the indigenous, the, the countryside from Mexico, and then modern Mexico all through this period of film. And, and students really learn also that Mexican film was just this dominant force and, of course, really popular in the United States as well. That's right, and, and that is a very interesting aspect of this because we're in San Antonio, and San Antonio was one of the places where people could go to the movies and watch all these films at the time they were released. So uh, we were saying about the transnational nature of our work course, and in this particular week when we study cinema, it is very clear for us how this transnationality operates uh, in terms of cultural circuits, etc. Not only transnational, but an, an international dynamic. When you mention, well, these films were watched in the U.S., they were also watched in Cuba, in Argentina. So uh, it is a, a moment when uh, Mexico in some way develops a very visual definition of what Mexico is still today. One of the great uh, opportunities we have here in San Antonio, too, is that we're able to draw not only on our own faculty, but on experts 
throughout the United States to talk about different themes. The structure of the first year experience is to have seminars, but once a week, all of our sections come together. So we have about 80 students that come together and meet in a common section. And I love the Cine de Oro uh, period because we have one of the nation's foremost experts, uh, Charles Ramirez Berg, who teaches at the University of Texas. And he just does this spectacular lecture uh, based on, I think he's written two books now mm -hmm. on Cine Mexicano. Hello, this is Danny Anderson, president of Trinity University. Thank you for listening to the Learning Together podcast series brought to you by Trinity's Office of Alumni Relations and Development and produced here on campus by our friends at KRTU 91.7 FM. We're so glad you tuned in today and we appreciate your continued support of lifelong learning at Trinity University. Well, I wanted to jump ahead to some of the more contemporary things that we look at just to give people a flavor of the seminar. One of the things that we look at that I find really exciting is the Chicano movement of the 1960s. And for me, the importance of the Chicano movement is twofold. You keep mentioning transnational, and sometimes people don't really understand what that means, but we think of Mexico as a nation, but the idea of inventing Mexico, a lot of times we talk to the students about greater Mexico. And Greater Mexico involves the United States and the influence that Mexico has had on the United States. And you really see that transnationalism in the Chicano movement. And the other thing that I love about the Chicano movement is that we have local activists who were in the Chicano movement in the 1960s here in San Antonio. They come in and talk to the students. And they'll talk about things that start to make all the pieces come together. Like I remember one of the speakers talking about reclaiming uh, the study of Nahuatl, the language of the Aztecs. So Chicanos wanted to go back and learn the language of their ancestors, and they may have had a grandmother or great-grandmother, and that expression of identity gets reclaimed in the Chicano movement, and it gets expressed through all sorts of ways in the Chicano movement. Absolutely, and when you mentioned that uh, uh, close relationship, right, what do we mean by transnationality? Something I really love about this course is that we are able to know much more about the U.S. through examination of uh, inventing Mexico. What are the relations, but also, well, what are the contemporary, right, dynamics that we see still in terms of society, social groups, cultures here in the U.S., and I think that's something... Uh, students appreciate very much to know more about their own culture and their own country. Another aspect we uh, really consider throughout the, the, the seminar, the semester, is uh, how important has been all the discourses on gender. And in the Chicano movement, that plays a crucial, crucial role in terms of really redefining the role of women within social movements and also uh, uh, really claiming for a space for women and other groups such as LGBTQ uh, communities, etc. So uh, we're really tackling, right, so many, many aspects of, of how uh, culture uh, works, operate, and, and I truly like, right, how we are able to do that through uh, something like the Chicano movement by itself. That's true, because I remember during our common lecture, uh, Carmen Tafoya, the poet laureate of San Antonio came in and she had a lot of photographs from the period and she had some magazines 
that were published by women in, you know, Chicanas in the movement talking about the gender issues that you're mentioning and how they were really important at that time. And then we've done, we've got some readings in uh, the rest of the course on gender in Mexico as well. Well, the last theme that I wanted to talk about today was a week where we spent looking at lucha libre or big time wrestling in Mexico. And the reason I thought it would be interesting to share this with our listeners is because lucha libre really is popular culture. It's not like something a lot of people would think to take seriously. And so what we're trying to cue into our students is that a lot of things that things that may seem trivial to you just observing Mexican culture are actually loaded with significance. And so we have some pretty in-depth analysis of Lucha Libre done by a prominent anthropologist in the United States that really unpacks the complexity of Lucha Libre and weaves it in with contemporary Mexican politics, culture, and society. And we also compare some uh, examples, right, of, of even cartoons. I mean, there are so many manifestations that even children are watching now in order to, right, accommodate these figures, cultural figures, yes. And these are things that you're able to talk about in a really personal way because growing up in Mexico City, I mean, you've been around things like Super Barrio and, That's and right. wrestling figures that show up on the scene. I mean, Super Barrio showed up after the... Uh, devastating the earthquake, earthquake yes, in Mexico City. That is absolutely true. Even the cinema, all these, all these, uh, pretty much the topics we covered talked to me in a very, very uh, deep way and close manner. And I, I love to do this, right? I mean, I truly enjoy it because I'm able to share sometimes that personal aspect of, of culture as well. Well, one of the things that we want to do with Inventing Mexico in the future is to have a field trip where we can spend a week or part of a week with our students in Mexico City and actually visit these archaeological sites, look at the murals from post-revolutionary Mexico, visit the fabulous museums, experience some of the popular culture, and really exemplify it in a visual and concrete lived way what the students are, are studying here at Trinity University. So this is just a quick overview uh, some of the broad topics that we cover in 15 weeks. And of course, one thing we didn't mention is that the class is really enriched by the MOSS program that you mentioned. Many of our events uh, that are done at uh, the Center for Mexico, the Americas, and Spain are incorporated into the class, but these are also public and uh, things that alumni could visit. That's right. I would love to see more alumni uh, and people from the community coming to our events um, the MAS program has actually every semester a series of events organized around different topics. In the fall, we will have uh, the first official Latinx Heritage Month uh, in which we will invite local artists, filmmakers to discuss about their work. And also we'll have in the spring the Alvarez Seminar that, as some of you may know, uh, discusses a particular uh, aspect of uh, Latin American cultures or, or Spanish cultures, but of course, always considering the transnational U.S. Latino experience as well. So I hope to see many of you attending our events. Uh, please uh, feel free to check our website, Mexico, the Americas and Spain program at Trinity University, and you will find all the uh, information around, about the events. All right. Hope to see our alumni at the Moss events and other things at Trinity University. This has been a lot of fun. Thanks. Yes. For, thanks for having a conversation. 
Thank you so much for listening. Today's podcast was recorded and produced by Trinity University's KRTU radio station for the Office of Alumni Relations and Development. New podcasts will be released on the first Tuesday of each month. For more information about our Learning Together podcast series or to suggest topics for future consideration, email us at alumnipodcast at trinity.edu.